Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Thank Vinny. you for being here, Daniel. We're here with Daniel Levine. Uh, synopsis of your story, I know we're going to go in depth in this whole podcast, is basically living at a monastery for 10 years. And now a business development coach. Yeah, sort of. (laughs) Very synopsis. Um, Born in a lower middle class family. Parents passed away when I was a kid. Moved in with an aunt and uncle. My uncle was a household name universally. Went from a lower middle. Huh? It was a household name? Yeah, household name. He was, he's known all around the world. Went from being went from being a guy that you know was was looking at a dad who gave everything in his life to try and give give us a little bit of what we wanted to a man who had everything who who had everything in the world that the world could ever ask for ask for and offering me a chance to take over his multi billion dollar company started out by having me start out pushing pushing a broom I told him I wasn't interested in that walked away went to school. Studied two years of psychology, dropped out, hitchhiked around the world, went into a went in into a seminary in Israel, was one day away from being ordained a rabbi, left, came back and started a business in San Francisco. Uh, walked away from the business because it wasn't giving me what I wanted. Joined a monastery for ten years in the foothills of Sierra Nevadas as a monk. Um, walked away because while I was away on a trip, a woman that I knew moved me in from the moved me out of the monastery and into her house. We ended up having a, a daughter together who was developmentally delayed. My wife then passed away of of cancer. I raised a developmentally delayed kid on my own. Um, started working for Hay House, a publishing company in San Diego here as the director of business development and helped it grow from $3 million to $100 million a year in sales, walked away and um, looked at what I really wanted to do with my life when I grew up. I had gone through quite a bit. It was only until I, when I wrote The Mosaic, the book that's over my left shoulder, for those of, who, of you who are seeing this as a video, that I realized that everything about what I was doing was I was a little boy who lost his mom and dad. And when I asked the adults where my parents were, they told me they were in a place called heaven. So I was looking for that place called heaven. And when I realized where I was, wasn't that place called heaven, I left. Sometimes it took me 10 years to do it. Sometimes it took me five years. Sometimes it took me 15 minutes. But I left because I was looking for that place called heaven. You Going over your story or the synopsis of your, of your life, I mean, you've accomplished a lot in that in that window can you give kind of an idea of of age so how old were you when your parents passed away 13 my dad passed away on july 4th when i was 13 years old he was my hero i lost my idol my hero my 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 the guy that i wanted to be like when i grew up my mom was fifth passed away when i was 15 two years apart on the same day and were they pretty abrupt? my dad passed away making love to my mom had not there was nothing wrong with him um, wow. he, he passed away making love to my mom, a great way for my dad to go, not a great way for my mom, mom to have him go. 
So yeah. she was madly in love with him and willed her death. Two years later, she died of cancer um, on the same exact day, the same exact time. Wow. And then you said that basically the, the person that offered you that position of growth, it was a well-known name. Can you give yeah. us uh, the name or? I gave it on one podcast and they got mad at me for doing it. They thought I was trying to promote myself by using their name. I, oh, I, fair I, enough. Okay. The, the only thing, the only thing that I would be promoting myself by doing that is how stupid I was because 99.999999 say not until you almost dropped dead of the percent of the people would have said, where's the broom I'm going today. What I did is I sat there. It took him a month and a half to watch me. And he mm -hmm. said, I'm going to watch you because in the day where, where this was 50 years ago, in the time, in that time, a man didn't give over his billion dollar company to daughters. And he had three brilliant daughters. So how did he come across you? Um, I, my mother and his wife were sisters. So when my parents passed away, my aunt and he was my uncle decided we, they didn't know us. We were, we were strangers, but they thought, we should probably have, we probably have to take care of them. And so we moved from the East coast to the Midwest and lived in the house of strangers, but moved. That wasn't what was difficult. What was difficult was going from a lower middle-class family to an elite upper-class family. Um, and so the people that I met, I've had the opportunity to be with the richest people in the world, not in their, not in lecture halls, but at their dining room tables. I met their parents' parents and I've sat on the floor and played with their kids. I know it's I know it's hard to to put every, put someone in a bubble. I mean, is there a similarity that you can see from the, the rich of the rich to maybe the, the monks of the monastery? Oh God, yeah. Yeah. It, I've also had let me just finish it up. I also in working with Hay House, I, I worked with people who inspired millions of people. And they were kind enough to invite me to their homes and have me meet their parents and play on the floor with their kids. In all the cases, the richest people and the poor and, and, the, and the most inspired people were kind enough to give me counsel and kind enough to ask for counsel. I also had the brilliant opportunity to sit on street corners with some of the poorest people the world's ever known. And we would share meals together too. I would meet their families. Sometimes they weren't family by origin. They were family by choice and we would sit on the street corners and have conversation they were kind enough to give me counsel and kind enough sometimes to ask for counsel and what i saw in every single group no matter how, what what religion they practiced no matter what color their skin no matter how much money they had and no matter how big their house was or how ripped up their cardboard box no matter what border they lived behind or what or who they called their friends or what people they could motivate to change the world or not all of them wanted the same three things. They wanted to be loved and accepted. They wanted to be listened to and heard. They wanted to be acknowledged and validated. Mm -hmm. And when I realized that, I realized that's the easiest thing in the whole world. I can do that. That's not hard. I don't need to have an ordination from a, from a rabbinical school or, a, or, or live in a monastery for 10 years to do that. I don't need to have a diploma from a college and, and graduate with a psychology degree. All I need is a heart that cares enough about people that says to them, how are you doing? Like, what's, what's, what's really going on? In our day and age, how are you has become a salutation. It's like, hi, how are you? Great, fine, good. Okay, next question. 
because nobody gives a shit about what the answer is. But when you stop people in their tracks and you say, hold on, we got a global pandemic going on. We've got race, we've got race riots going on. We've got a Me Too movement going on where women say, I'm sick of being treated like this. I want to be treated equally. And men are and and black and people of color are saying the same thing. When our institutions are crumbling and, and everything we believe in is being picked at, and we don't know what to believe in. We don't even know if our news is real or fake anymore. We don't even know if our politicians are telling us the truth or not telling us the truth. We don't even know if our medical profession has our best interest at stake or doesn't have our best interest at stake. We don't even know if our schools are really interested in teaching our kids or just passing exams so they can make money to co co to live in the world. With all that going on, can you really tell me, take a minute and tell me how you're really doing? Are you really doing fine, great, good? How are you? Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's tough, too, because there's, like you're saying, there's so much false information out there. And also, I think the idea of emotions, they can easily be manipulated. People can use your emotions to manipulate you. So you have to see if the person's genuine in, in asking the question and genuine and uh, if they want to hear the response. So what makes a person genuine in your mind? What, how do you know if a person is genuine or is just trying to manipulate you through your emotions? What would you say? I think, I think it's, it's difficult. I think um, quality, quality questions. I think that's probably, probably the easiest, easiest way is quality questions. And um, we're take, you take risk with people, I think. I think you take risk on people and over time they're going to show you the true color. And so you can just kind of go off your gut a little bit and then hope that basically your gut's telling you the right, the right right direction so i'm more of a scientist than you perhaps okay i really wanted to know the answer to that question oh. and so what i did is i started i started my own show okay um because when i finished writing my book the mosaic what the, what mo did as a boy is he he asked the adults where his parents were they told him they were in a place called heaven so he left and looked for heaven and and in search of heaven but the people he met along his journey were not the clergy and the shamans and the mosques, the mosque leaders and the rabbis and the priests and the and the uh, the religious leaders. They were common ordinary people. They were the homeless guy and the street person. They were the road worker and the street artist. They were the uh, the waitress and the gardener and the uh, juice man. And he wondered, why am I meeting these people? Like, what would I? What? 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 How can they show me anything about heaven? But I'm here with them. Why don't I take a minute and listen to their stories? In 100% of the cases, when he listened to their stories, what he realized is the person he originally came up upon was not at all the person that they were. They were completely different. And it wasn't because they had changed in the course of time. What happened is his perception of the world changed, their world changed when he actually listened to them and got to know them a little bit. So it made him wonder, what in the world do I see do I see what the world is or do I see what I see the world is? And how would I slide myself to the right and just try and get a sense of what the world looks like without my image on it? So I started something called, it told me I should go out on the road and start to meet these people. Me talk to the people nobody talks to and listen to the people nobody listens to. I had the trip all planned and then COVID came. I was, April, I was gonna leave May 1st, April 20th here in San Diego, lockdown. We couldn't go out. 11 days before my trip was going to happen, everything got changed. 
I sat and I said, okay, so now what do I do? I was supposed to go to 45 different places here in America and, and with thousands of other places, opportunities to come. Why don't I try and do it online? I don't, I'm not going to be able to hold people, hug people, hold them while they cry, you know, be there and help them. But, I, but there's something here. Look, you know, there's something in the interaction. What I found is that any time in that room, my goal in that room was one was three things. To listen to people so they feel heard. To love and accept people and to validate and acknowledge what they're saying. Anytime I came in with an agenda, I realized everything I was doing fell apart. I did it two times. I didn't I wasn't smart enough to learn it after one time. I did it again. And in that and those conversations were great confrontational conversations. They were they were they were worth listening to. But it wasn't at all what I wanted to have happen. But when I could come into an uh, into a conversation, agenda free, and just say, "Hey, how you doing? Like, what's what's going on? What are you scared of? What excites you?" People, when they see that you don't have an agenda, they say, "Hey, this guy's worth talking to. Let me talk to him." He doesn't seem to want anything from me. And then you have to be real with that. If you do, if you use an agendaless conversation to manipulate somebody, you're a scoundrel. But if you use an agendaless conversation to say, "Hey, here we are. We're both seemingly naked in front of each other here. Now, what do, what do we want to do?" If I take down the bricks that surround my wall that that I've walled around myself, if I promise to be kind to you and and not judge you and not hurt you. Can we slowly start to take down one brick at a time and see how we feel? Well, so time is probably, I mean, for a lot of people, one of the more valuable assets that we have, correct? And it is the most valuable asset. Yeah, I think for for I think for the majority of us, right? Time is one of the most valuable assets. And having those conversations and taking chances, taking risks to have a um, a no agenda conversation can be time consuming especially if the other party is not on the same page as you i would like to invite you into the room and to see how quickly it happens or you can go to my website yeah um it's mosaiconline.com slash forward slash conversations i've had hundreds and hundreds i started out calling it 50 conversations with 50 strangers yeah in the first week i received 250 re re responses saying i want to have a conversation with you so the people that you're having the conversation with, though, have have jumped into this bubble of saying that I want to have an open air conversation. But what I'm saying is, is having that with the general population, the general public of trying to have a non agenda conversation. Let's say you see someone at the bar and you're just trying to have a, a non agenda conversation with that person. That's yeah. kind of a risk taken because you don't know how much time is going to be with that person. And I think with the platform that you're talking about, it makes it. A, a lot a lot more of a safe zone because you know yeah. that other person has taken a taken a chance and they're they're aware of what you're bringing to the table and so now it feels like a safe zone that they can bring their guard down i i so hear what you're saying it was yeah. my assumption going in yeah. i didn't think it was going to work 
These are people that I don't know. These are strangers. I, I, before they walked into the room, I have no idea what they think, who they believe in, who they yeah. vote for, who they, what they love, what their, what religion they are, what color they are. If they're a man or a woman, sometimes they have names that you don't know whether what they are. You don't know how old they are. You don't know how how impoverished they are, how wealthy they are. Um, they've answered a question of, "Do you want to have a conversation with a stranger?" Hmm. And they've said, and they've said yes. So in a bar, but here's what I'm amazed at. Yeah. Honestly, flat out amazed. People know when somebody's real. I mean, I'll, I'll be, I mean, I'll be as transparent as possible. I think it, you learn over time to know the difference between someone being real and not being real. I've been around some, some people that I, I look at myself when I first met them and I go, oh my gosh, the way they're having the conversation is so real. And then over time, you start seeing the the truth behind the BS. Huh. And so yeah. it, it's it's true that I think over time you start learning that. Yeah, maybe it's naiveness to it, or maybe it's maybe it's just I mean, growth or whatever it might be. But it's not everyone you can tell is real and not real. So here's what I want to concede to you in in point. Okay. The algorithms of the internet are slanted. Hmm. I've tried to get outside of my algorithms by going into groups and creating profiles for myself that would not bring me the people <laughs> that are that think and feel like me. Yeah. But still, something in the way I look, something in the way I present myself, something in the way may only elicit responses from certain types of people. Hmm. And all I can tell you is I, Within five minutes, people who have icicle, strong walls around them have dissolved and are talking to, and are telling me things that they've never told anybody in their life in a, in, in a room that is a public room. They know their video is going to go online. Do you, do you think, and this is a, 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 just a, a random idea. With the the Santa Claus beard, if you're not, if you're not, <laughs> if you're, oh, oh, oh. who hates Santa Claus? Nobody hates Santa Claus. <laughs> exactly. So if you're not, if you're not watching this virtually and you're only listening to the sound, you know, uh, we got you have a big Santa Claus beard, and so maybe there's like some deep down roots of Santa Claus taking the positivity, and so they're bringing the their their own baggage of happiness to this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and they may, and I may be ho, 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 and then they may be saying, you know, Merry Christmas. And and all of that may be, like, I don't know what what slants a person in one way or another. But there have been people that have walked in the room and said to me, hey, you look like a homeless guy. You don't look like Santa Claus. You look homeless. Mm. And so there have been other people that have walked into the room and said, what are you, like some sort of hippie freak? You know? And so... So sometimes I'm Santa. There have been other people that said, "Boy, you look like a you look like a wise man," and I said, "A wise guy or a wise man?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think I'm a wise guy. I don't know that I'm a wise man. So the persona we could be in a suit and tie, and people may trust us or not trust us. We can be. I, I, I work with people to see things that they don't see. I went into a. I was hired by a, a big corporation years ago. To come in and do a do a training with them on innovation. Downtown Manhattan, top you know w- boardroom with windows all around, looking over at Central Park. 
I walk into the room and I put my head in. Men and women in, in beautiful suits, fabulous fabrics. You could feel the affluence of every single person projecting affluence from that room. I decided that day I was going to wear a t-shirt and jeans to do the training. So I walked in. They were nice jeans, but they, it was a t-shirt and jeans. I walked into the room and they said, what are you, what are you doing here, sir? I said, oh, I, I don't know. I, I was told I should come here. They said, are, are you like the trash man? I said, yeah, maybe. I'm, I might just be. Where's your trash? They said it's over there in a the container. In the container. They said, would you please get it quickly and go? We're expecting our presenter to come in any minute. I said, really, what do you think he's going to look like? They said, what are you talking about? Why do you care? You're a trash man. Just get the fuck out of here and can you get our trash and get out of here? I said, what if your presenter would look like me? They said, I don't think he would. I said, so is this the place? Are you the group that I'm supposed to do the innovation workshop with? They said, no, get out of here. You're the person that's doing that? I said, yeah, how do you think you're doing so far? How do you think you're doing at being able to see something different than what you always see? Isn't that what we're here for? Like you expected me to come in a three-piece suit because you wanted me to look like just like you and talk just like you and think just like you? You already paid me. I can leave. But if you're willing to take a look at how the way you look at the world, I'm willing to sit with you. That was about 10 years ago. I still get letters from them saying, will you come back? Because they said what you did that day blew our friggin' minds. Everything about the mosaic, the book that I wrote, what happens when Mo sees these people, the homeless guy and the street artist and the blind woman and the, and the juice man, he looks at them and he makes, a, he makes an immediate assumption of who they are. When he listens to their story, he sees them entirely different. What do we look at in the world that if we were to see it different would literally change the way we see our entire life? I mean, to going down, I mean, the rabbit hole, you, you look at, like, I think it was Kant or another, maybe another philosopher, <clears throat> but you look at how we look at the world, how we look at life. I had a, a professor when I lived in Czech Republic, and he goes, you have to assess when you look at things, look at relationships, right? Are you looking at it from basically who you are or the bubble that you're in? Yeah. Right? And he, the example that he used, and I, I use this example all the time, but the example he used was my best friend. I've known him for, I think it was eight years. His wife and my wife have never met. But in the United States, that's the norm. When you have a, a good friend and they have a good friend, I mean, th their wives meet each other. That's just the norm. But here, that's not the norm. And there's so many things that we do that we think is just the norm. But yeah. it's not the norm. It's basically our community norm or our society yeah. norm or whatever it might be. So, yeah. So here's an exercise for people that are listening. When you look at the world, what do you see? Do you think you see the world the way it is? Or do you think you see the world the way you are? I want to isolate it. I want to I want to make the bubble and who we are is the same thing. Because well, we normally hang out with the people that see the world the way we see the world. 
Well, going going back to your, can you go out your story? We, we've kind of gone on to to ideals and philosophy, and, yeah, and that kind of yeah. thing. I think it's fantastic. And I mean, looking at what you've you've learned, you I mean you were a, a boy to a man trying to find basically heaven. You're trying to find your parents, right? Yeah. Yet you spent a lot of time with these different communities, yeah. businesses, and found that that wasn't the right place for you. Do you think, right? Let's say someone's listening right now and they own a business and they have someone that's a, a great mind like yourself and they want to see that person grow in their business and so they both can accomplish something great. Do you think, looking at your own life story, was there anything any of your bosses or any of the people overseeing you could have done to keep you with that company and allow you to, to grow with that company? Great question. I don't think so. And I'll tell, I'll tell you why. I wish the answer was yes. I, I, was, I, I immediately got the answer, no, I don't think so. But I was praying that for an answer, yes, because I wanted to be able to tell you a beautiful story that would make a lot of sense, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but here's what, here's, what I, here's what does happen. When we, when we really accept another human being as who they are, and we really want them to become the best of who they are rather than the best for us to make money in our business or to be the best or make our company the best of what it is. When we're aligned, if there was an alignment, I stayed places for 10 years. Yeah. Right. It, it wasn't that I just came in and said, Oh, this is BS and I'm going to go. This isn't what I'm looking for. I stayed and I grew, I grew a company from 3 million to a hundred million dollars. And of course of 10 years, 10 years, that's a, that's a big jump for anybody. Right. Yeah. I, I, I worked with entrepreneurs that were that were on the on the edge of on the brink of closing down. What's when we spoke? We 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 talked about a very beautiful place, and that place is how do we deal with the adversity that we have in our life, and how do we how do we deal with it? How do we squash it? I don't know exactly the word you used, but it, what was the word you used? Do you remember? No. Okay. It was it was so. What we tend to do, I, I wish I would have remembered. I'm getting old and my memory is not as good as it used to be, you know? Well, um, at least you have your age for the... Yeah, I can, I can make an excuse, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's obvious, too. But, but here's what happens, for me at least. And, I, and I, I can only share my experience. If my experience helps anybody, great. But if it doesn't, it's just take it as my experience. An old fat guy in San Diego who's sitting around, you know, just having the chance to contemplate life, right? When we learn that everything in the world is speaking, when we learn how to listen, when we really learn how to hear, when we really learn how to quiet our mind and hear our voice inside of ourselves, we learn to also hear the voices of what our business wants, of what the people in our business want, of what our environment wants, of what our, our spouse wants, of what our educational system is really looking for. My gift now has gone from being an innovation person to being able to walk into a company and be able to hear the pulse of what the company is trying to say to the people that are working in the company, but they don't want to hear it because they don't believe it really has a voice. Hmm. They talk over that voice. They tell that they tell their business what they want. But you know something, when your business is struggling, it's trying to tell you something. Just like when your body's in pain, it's trying to tell you something. 
just like when you're 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 trying to you if you were in a room locked in a room and you kept running into a wall and running into a wall and running into a wall you might continue running into the wall for a while but eventually you'd stop running into a wall you say this is just hurting my shoulder and hurting my back and maybe i got to look somewhere else for a door that's what our businesses are doing but we don't think like that we don't think they're living breathing entities on their own we think we're the living, breathing entities, and we're the king of the king of the jungle. And we tell the things what to do, and we tell the people what to do. And as bosses, we we have vertical relationships. We lead, and we rule, and we direct, and we teach, and we shell, and we help, and we show. What if we had horizontal relationships? What if what if like a mosaic, all of the pieces came together? There's no verticality in a mosaic. They're just broken pieces. Some are whole, some are broken, some are bigger, some are smaller, some are different colors, some are different shapes, some are different textures, some are different sizes. None of them try and teach the other thing, other piece what to do. They just come together. And in this simple act of coming together, they become more, more special. The whole thing becomes more beautiful. Together, they make up a, a much bigger impact, a much more beautiful artistry than any one of those pieces on their own could ever do. So my goal is to, is to start a revolution of listening now. Because when we start to listen to what our, our secretary is saying, what the person cleaning our toilets is saying, what the person delivering our mail is saying, how many people in business take the time to say to their, to their people that are working in their company, what do you think about the color of this product? What do you think about the functionality? Take this home with you for a day or two and try it out. Give it to your kids. Try it with your wife. I don't care that you're the mail, the person that puts the mail in. I don't versus the sales, the team, the head of the sales team. We have we have sometimes thousands of voices at our disposal, and we don't listen to any of them. Uh, well, I would even expand it to to our customer base too. Of I mean, course, your customer is. I mean, it took me a long time. You know, I have a, a real estate team in San Diego, and it took me a long time to be okay with rejection and be okay with asking the question of why did we not? Why were we not the best service for you? Why were you not the best agent to choose? And why did you go with someone else? I mean, because failure, or rejection, or knowing you did something wrong are tough pills to swallow sometimes. Yeah. Yet in but, the long run, they're better for you. I, I love it. And I have a friend who I had who I had who I met in my room of strangers. Turns out he's he's become a friend of mine. He was a stranger. I didn't know him from Adam. He calls himself the failure, the fail coach. Oh, I think I, yeah. You know the I, fail I, coach? Yeah. Um uh, what's Mika, it called? I think his name is Mika something, right? Yeah, he's Mika. I've yeah. actually had him on the podcast. Yeah. So and, and he, the beautiful thing about him is he said, I said, how in the world it's the most absolutely crazy thing that you would call yourself a fail coach because nobody would hire somebody to teach him how to fail. And he said, but every great success comes from people failing. Yeah. If you're not failing, you're not taking risks. Yeah. But, but even before asking a client, why didn't you choose us? Why did you make a decision to go with somebody else? How many of us take the time to actually ask a client, what do we need to do? What is it you're looking for? What, what do you need from us as an agency to, to bring you to the place that you need? Yeah. 
What could we, what we do, if you look at the way we sell and we promote and in any industry, we tell people what we have and what we do and how we can help them. What would happen if we created a whole new way of doing business? By instead of telling people, we ask people, what is it you want? You know how many times people have told me about their services and I go, you're boring. You're not saying anything new. Find out what I want and figure out how you can give me what I want and I will be your friend forever. Yeah. Because nobody gives a damn about what you do. All they care about is themselves and what they want and how you can help them achieve what they want. Yeah. Right? And so why are we training people to tell people our story and tell, spend all this time and this is what we're going to do for you and this is how we're going to do it. Yawn, 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 blah, 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 blah. Excuse me, sir. Why did you pick up the phone and call us today? So oh, easy. One of the things I, I tell some of the people I coach is the idea that we're not as important as we think we are. Right? So let's say you're trying to get a hold of a client, trying to follow up with them, and then I pick up the phone. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, they hate me. They're not talking to me anymore. And you find out that their kid was in the hospital or they've just been busy with work and they can answer the phone. And, and so you start making these stories in your head of why they didn't say yes to me or why they didn't respond to me or why this didn't happen. And you're just like, I'm just a tool for them. I, I'm, I'm supposed to help them get to where they need to get to. Yeah. Someone told me something years ago because I went through a little pity party for myself similar to that story. And they said, Danny, why do you think people have the time to care about you that much that they're thinking that much about you? All they're thinking about is themselves. They don't have time to think about you. They're so self-contained in what they're going through and what they're doing and what they want. You think they're spending time thinking about how much they like you or hate you? They don't. Show up and help them have what they need. Show up and give them what they, not what they want. Give them what they want. But take the extra step and give them what they need. In my book, The Mosaic, the waitress in the restaurant that Mo goes to, he crosses into a parallel reality. And the first place he sees is a restaurant. And he wonders if the reason why he sees this restaurant is because he's starving and he's hungry and it's manifested for him because he needed to eat something. He doesn't know why. And why would you cross a parallel reality and see like a diner there? And the waitress, and the, but the place is packed and, and everybody's enjoying their meal. And people are laughing and people are living in long lines. And finally he gets to sit down. And he says, this is what I like to eat. And it comes really quickly. And, and he says, how did you do that so quickly? And this food tastes so good. What did you put in this food that makes it so good? And she said, sir, most people just give you what you want. We try and make sure our food has what you need as well. Hmm. What a beautiful way to run your business. Everybody gives people what they want. Who takes the time to sit with somebody and say, what do you really need? By getting this, what will it actually give you? What do you, is there a technique that you would have for, let's say, a business owner right now that's struggling and they're trying to assess the best way of finding out what their team, what their clientele, what kind of feedback they have for them? Is there a process that you say uh, that they could do or questions they can ask? Or It, it is so simple. It's just so absolutely 100% simple. Stop talking and start listening. Ask people, 
what is it? What's going on? You know something? Let me share. Let me share with you something. Our company used to be doing really well. Right now, we're struggling a little bit. So we're coming out to the people that we have loved doing business with. Hmm. We understand you're taking your business elsewhere. I, I, I don't blame you. I understand that. What would you need from me in order for me to be able to serve you again like I love serving you before? How could, how could I do that for you? When you're vulnerable and you're open, remember how we started the conversation? People don't trust each other. Yeah. When you're vulnerable and you show up and you talk like that, but you have to mean it. It can't be like a manipulation tool. It has to be like, hey, I miss you, man. We used to do business together, and I and I, and we had our times where we hit heads. Sure, we did. Everybody does. But I love doing business with you, and I miss you. What do you what? And I, I don't want to take you away from anybody who's giving you a great service or doing a good job. But is there any small segment where we could find our way back into your business? What is it? You're, what's missing for you? What's nobody else given you that if I could if I could find a way to give that to you, would you would you let me come back for a little bit? You must be missing something. If you would be with people who say if, if you held this belief system that everybody gives people what they want, very few people give people what they need. And you listened and you took time with people, you'd be shocked. You think it's going to take hours and hours and hours and hours of your time. It takes 10 minutes. Can I tell you a story? Yeah, please. Remember I told you I've been with the richest people in the world and I've also been with some of the poorest of the poor. Hmm. One of the people that touched me more than anybody that I've ever met was not one of the elite people that, that sits in boardrooms. He was a homeless guy that sat on the street corner of San Diego. And I was walking by and I saw him there and I just wanted to, I just wanted to go up to him and, and spend time with him. And as I approached him, he went, no, 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 you, you can't come here. This is my corner. Leave me alone. This is my corner. This is where I, this is where I do. I said, it's okay, brother. I'm not, I, I just want to talk to you. He said, but if you're here, I'm not going to make money. And if I'm talking to you, I need to make money. I said, how much do you make in half an hour? He said, I make $5 and I need $5 every half an hour. That gives me about $120 because I stay here and I have to take care of my family. And that's what I need to do. And I need to make that every day. And I need $5 an hour. I put my hand in my wallet and I said, here, give me your hand. Here's 50 bucks. Keep your hat out while we're talking. You're going to make more than $5 this half hour, I promise you. Keep your, hat, keep your hat out. But you made $50 already. I just want to talk to you. It, it took 45 minutes for me to break through because he didn't trust me. He thought, what does this guy want from me? What's he doing? What's he trying to do? Finally, I looked at him and I said, Corey, you see these people walking by on the street. They probably pass you four or five times a day. If you could stop them for a minute and say to them some one thing, what would you tell them? He said, Danny, you've told me a bunch of stories. Can I tell you a story? I said, sure, I'd love that, my friend. He said, I hate being homeless. You know how embarrassed I am to be homeless? You know what a shame I feel? What, how shameful I feel to be a homeless guy who can't even afford to be in a house or an apartment or a shelter? I sit here and I, and I, and I hate myself for this. But then people treat me 
they don't even treat me like an animal. They treat me like a thing. People walk by, they'll spit at me or they'll steal my money from my hat or they'll, or they'll punch me or they'll kick me or they'll yell at me or they'll do something. One day a group of kids came by and beat the shit out of me and, I'd le and left me here bloodied and, and, and beaten. Another day I was laying down here to go to sleep and I, and I woke up, a guy was urinating on me. And just two days ago, someone threw a bag of human defecation at me. And I thought, enough is enough. I'm sick of this. I mean, I hate my life. People, I'm not bringing any joy to anybody. Look what these people are doing. They hate, they, they hate me. The street right in Vatikavistani is a, is a dark street. Nobody travels that street. They all travel in this street. And I decided when it turned dark that day, I was going to go to that back street where nobody goes to that's dark. And I was going to take my life. It didn't mean anything. Nobody would even notice. He said, not two minutes after that happened, and I had that thought. A man came up out of nowhere, dressed in a three-piece suit, looked good. He was important. I think he was important. And he put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, how are you doing today, brother? And I said, this is not a good time, sir. This is not, I'm not doing good. Just keep walking. It's, it, it's in your best interest. Just keep walking. I'm not doing that good. Just go away. Stay to yourself. I'm not doing good. The man said, there's not a chance in the world I'm going to do that. And he sat down next to him and he put his arm around him. And I don't know why Corey let him put his arm around him so quickly. He certainly didn't let me do that, but he did it with him. And he, start, he told me I started crying big tears into his, into his shoulder. And the man said, that's okay, just cry. And I cried for a few minutes. And then he said to me, what's going on? And he said, I emptied out what was happening in my life to him. He said, Danny, you know, it only took about 10 minutes. But after those 10 minutes, I said to myself, this important man spent 10 minutes with me to, to find out how I was really doing and really cared. He didn't try and change me. He didn't try and fix me. He didn't try and help me. He just sat here and listened to me. So what I would say to these people walking by is take 10 minutes and find somebody you don't know and walk up to them and just say to them, how are you doing? You don't need to change them. You don't need to fix them. You don't need to help them. All you need to do is listen to them. Just listen to them as they tell you how they're doing. Just love them and listen to them. He said, I wish I would have seen that man again because he has no idea he saved my life that day. He had no idea I was thinking to take my life, and he has no idea that I'm still alive today because of him. Well, I wish I would have seen Corey again. I've gone back to that corner where he sits many, many times, but he wasn't there. And I don't know where he is now. Because I would have liked to have told him that he has no idea that story that he told me has now reached millions and millions of people. And every talk that I give and every lecture that I give and every podcast that I'm on and every radio show that I do and every TV place that I go and every conference that I speak at, I tell Corey's story and I invite, him, I invite the people there to take that challenge just like I want to invite the people here to take the challenge. Ten minutes out of the course of your life is nothing to ask. Go up to somebody you don't know. And ask them how you're doing and just listen. There are now thousands of people, if not millions of people, doing that, taking 10 minutes out of the course of their life to just listen to somebody. Corey has no idea that his story touched me that much. And his story has touched so many people that have, that have heard his story through me that they're doing what he's asked them, to, that he would have asked those people on that street corner to do.
we have no idea the impact of our actions. Think about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a powerful thing if you can have that conversation where you're not only helping that one person out, but you also get something out of it too yourself. It's yeah. a two-way street. Um, I mean, for people listening right now, I, I know this episode hasn't really had a lot of um, business-related content. Yet the mindset stuff, the stuff that you know, I mean, helps you on the day-to-day. Because the big why is what's going to get you from day-to-day grinding through the struggles, the headaches, the heartaches of what you have to do on a daily basis. So I think this episode—that's what this kind of takes on right there. I appreciate Daniel, you being on the podcast. If if someone's listening right now and they want to hear more of these stories and get the book, what's the best platform they can go to, to to get it? So I'm going to send you my links and we can put them in the show. Will you put them? Are there show notes that'll go along with this? Or yeah. So I'll send it to you. There's my websites, DanielBruceLevin.com or TheMosaicOnline.com. If anybody, I'll send you a link that if anybody wants to be a guest on my 50 Conversations with 50 Strangers, they can they can just use my calendar link. They don't have to let me know. They just sign up on my calendar, show up on my calendar, show up there. We'll have a conversation, and we'll see what happens. And if corporations or businesses want to do some work, if you really want to take a look at the way you're doing business, sometimes when you learn to see differently, you think that a business conversation has certain key points that you have to go over. But when you change the way you see the world, the world you see changes. What would happen if you took a break from all those thought out plans and, 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 and business ideas and you took a moment to change yourself? What would that bring to the business? What would your ability to listen to another human being bring to your business? I would, I would make you a bet. I would make you a bet that you will exponentially grow your business if you learn to listen to your customers, if you learn to listen to your staff, if you learn to listen to your bosses, if you learn to listen to the, the world around you and what it's, what it's trying to say. All the great business fans couldn't have created a moment of readiness for COVID-19 to come. How those business plans working for you right now? Yeah. Well, thank you again, Daniel, being on the podcast. Thank you, listeners, for listening to this um, this episode. Please subscribe. Please share. Tell your friends. And uh, we always love to hear your feedback. Just like Daniel says, we want to know how we can do this better. Get more stories on here. And if you know someone that has a great story, please reach out. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.